Hey everybody, it's season three. We did it. We've traipsed through the celluloid drive-ins, diners, and dives, schmoozed with rubber monsters, and swum oceans of temper paint, and laughed along with you all the way. And we couldn't have done it without the support of our incredible patrons. If you like the show, if you like what we do and want to help us do it bigger, better, faster, stronger, head on over to patreon.com slash quillandfilm, Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M. For just five bucks, you get access to our very large catalog of Patreon exclusive episodes. You can listen to us talk about Mandy, all of the Exorcist films, or all of the Die Hard films, or all of the Lethal Weapon films. Welcome to season three. It's going to be our best season yet, and we would love for you to be a part of it. So head on over to patreon.com slash quillandfilm. And now, enjoy the show. Wow, nice, man. You did it in one. Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks, I'm Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson, and that, right there, was the intro, the very first... (laughs) Welcome Official to the show. bumper for season, season three. three. We, are, we are here. Dude, we're in to season three right now. I just, okay, so I still, <laughs> I still remember as a young Max and a young Carl together at a particular French bistro. Yeah. Talking about, hey man, how about movies? Those are pretty cool, right? And here we sit, mm-hmm. hundreds of movies later. Hun- yeah, hundreds of episodes. I was trying to figure out how many episodes we've done. I am going to go through and renumber them. Bird pointed out uh, Spotify will break the seasons up anyway. Yep, yep. So this way, rather than it will we'll always be episode one, episode one ep- every season. Now we'll have like a running feel for how many we've done. Because I think we're at like episode for main season alone, like episode 120 That's or something like man. that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I'll never get used to looking into those beautiful eyes of yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we keep doing the show, because every exactly. time it's it's magic. So speaking of magic, man, season two was such a fun season. The 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 goofiness, the schlockiness, the everything from the universal horror pictures to to motorcycle movies, whatever, man. What have you two was two back to back Roger Corman months. Fucking incredible, right? <laughs> and we had some amazing people on with us during season two. And I would like to take that opportunity right now. Just thank them once again for supporting the show. By being on with us and suggesting movies and things like that. So right off top, I'm just going to burn through them if you don't mind. Sure. We had a lot of special guests, um, starting with. Starting with, we had Chris Fieldhouse with us on Easy Rider. Easy Rider. Excellent episode. Do you mind if we talk a little? Like, no, just absolutely. Just a, a couple sentences a couple about each? That's absolutely perfect. I was so ready to go into Easy Rider and just slobber all over it like I always had. So both of us, yeah. And I think part of what made that episode what it was, which was this fun and kind of thought-provoking deconstruction of Easy Rider was having an outside perspective in particular uh, a very uh, posh Brit. A very British. <laughs> a very British outside perspective. Yeah, yep. man. And he'd love to be on the show again. We'd love to have him back on the yeah, show. Yeah, most so. definitely. Uh, and then of course Connor Sweeney, man. The Sweenster himself. The Sweenpeen himself on the show. The ball peeny he, hammer he, uh, he sat in, in my fart-filled seat. He took over for you twice. Yeah. 
which is very a, impressive. Did a damn good job, <laughs> if I if I don't say so or do say so yeah. myself. Yeah, I was proud. Um, and also, we got him on. Uh, if you head on over to Patreon.com, you can listen to him. Also, alt, or he and I talk about Mandy. And I That's hate right. that the I didn't even realize it, but the oh, the main season show we got him on for leaving Las Vegas, <laughs> right. the most harrowing, <laughs> heartbreaking like of all of the movies that we watched in season, especially two, with a guy as nice one. and bubbly as Connor Sweeney. And we're like, he sits down. He's like, Wow, Nicholas Cage. Uh, it's really sad God, in this movie. You guys see Mandy? <laughs> Let's watch that, can we? Then we also like to say to thank uh, Sister Sarah, Sarah Hartley. Yeah. We had a, a really interesting sort of tie-in episode with the uh, Old Town Playhouse here in Traverse City when uh, we did the production of Tommy. Sarah was, of course, the director on that show. We had her on because Tommy, the movie, is much different than the stage show. Much different. Different. Much, much different. Much, much different. Um, that was the most heavily edited episode of Measuring Flicks <laughs> of all time. Right, because we wanted to have a PG version <sighs> of the episode. Yeah, for we, main were, season. we were trying to do it clean because it was a att- it was attached to a local a local institution. Right, you don't you want to watch your number of fucks. But when you sit down yeah. with the, somebody as fucking funny as Sarah is, <laughs> and you get you just get joking. My God, uh, I spent dead kids rolling down the aisles. I probably like spent was- two days just like adding. <laughs> Sound effects. I chopped. I think I told you guys I chopped like thirty-eight minutes yeah. out of the episode. <laughs> so, like four entire anecdotes. It's awesome. It's yeah. a great episode. But on she was Patreon, a great we have the full the uncut, uncut episode over on Patreon. Thick. Uh, uh, we'd like to thank uh, Michelle Perez with was on with us late in the season with a with an add-on episode. Yeah. For February with the towering, the towering inferno. inferno. What a great movie! What an, an amazing guest. Holy shit! That was right? our first exposure or our first encounter with. Real, a, a real radio a professional person? talker into a microphone. It shows, it and I, fucking does. I love how made us better. I felt like I was on her show. <laughs> she elevated the yeah, game. Exactly. I, I felt I should have been working the board, like adding sound effects and shit. And at twelve o'clock at the top of the hour, let's talk about the towering inferno. Right. We need a booth person. Yeah. I was fucking up. I'm like, I'm sorry, our producer's not here today. He's fired. Really. He's actually never been here. It's just me. She was so thrilled, man. She she's gushing. Um, she's directing a show in town right now, Chicago, Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my wife Danielle, uh, who we'll thank in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, she auditioned, and apparently Michelle was just like gushing about the show, about just being on with us, and like being able to talk about which movies. is hilarious so, because I've awesome. been gushing about Michelle. Since I know. She was here. I'm seriously. like, we're, there's going to be an episode. It actually will technically drop today because yeah, we are recording awesome. this way in advance. But I'm like, oh, you got to just watch for it Wednesday. Michelle Perez was on the show. It was a fucking riot. Incredible. It was a total hoot, yeah. And then, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't thank the two most important people on the show, besides and you and probably the and two me. most important people in our lives. Well, yes, yeah. that was. Uh, so uh, I'd like to thank, uh, well, Bird Peterson, yeah, for for supporting you yeah. and supporting our show and being on the show with us. Which quite she, often. I think she often is. I was telling you off mic. I think she's on the show as much as she is because she just happens to be in the same room as I'm watching the, the <laughs> right. movies. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, like half the time she's like, that was really great. I, and I'm like, you want to talk about it? And she's like, sure. And then half the time she's like, I cannot let you guys just like this movie because it's a piece of shit. Right, yeah. She keeps us grounded a lot <laughs> She of does. Time. I'm like, Carl, wasn't it amazing when there was 45 minutes of no dialogue and Bird's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's important to have that. It is. You know. I uh, most recently having her on Hook, the only yeah. one of us who kind of didn't dig the flick. We were also like we were just over deeped in nostalgia, man. Yeah, man. She she uh, she popped our happy thoughts from time to time yep. and made us talk about it critically. It was a great. I loved yeah. having her on that episode, and I would like to thank Danielle Hartley. 
uh, Daniele Hartelli. There it is. The <laughs> I'll never say your name right. I promise you. <laughs> um, for for supporting Carl for allowing me to monopolize so much of his time. I know that uh, you two don't have a whole lot of free time together, and when half of that is just him staring into my eyes, you guys you have a really you have a really amazing relationship, and you've become. I I met her through you, obviously. That's right. Yeah. And over these two seasons, now we're heading into three. Dude, I love the friendship that has formed between our two families. It's pretty it's, incredible. It's fucking beautiful. It really is the is. FCK family, man. It truly is. It's crazy, dude. Yeah. Paul Hanson. It's the, okay. There you are. It's been Hi. such a fucking ride, Carl. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And Danielle, thank you. And thank you for coming on these episodes. And we have been so sweet. Spoilers. We haven't actually, behind the curtain, we haven't actually recorded it yet, but thanks for being brave enough to give Hostel 2 a try. Right? Oh, man. I'm glad I'm thanking her now because yeah. that's the last time she'll ever talk to us. We're divorced now. <laughs> yeah, it'll be. In the future. <laughs> in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you to our, our special guest hosts. We really, really appreciate all of you. Um, And this is something we're going to try and start doing at the top of the show. We'd also like to thank, right up front, our patrons. Uh, you heard the bumper at the top of the episode that I'm, we're going to start running that so we don't have to talk about it quite so much once we're into the meat. But thank you so much to all the people who headed on over to patreon.com slash quillinfilm and supported the show. You keep the mics hot. You help us pay for hard drives when I run out of fucking storage cutting these massive episodes that are like three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, In season three, you're going to help us start taking live shows out into Traverse City and maybe some of the surrounding areas. We're coming to you, baby. You're going to start helping us uh, uh, with some film projects. We have mm-hmm. a couple of things kind of cooking, some short film projects, and maybe someday in the future, a future. <laughs> but that's all made possible by these amazing patrons. And uh, so we'd like to thank them now. Uh, thank you so much for your support. And thank you for making, making getting us to season three. Yeah, season three, baby. Thank you so much yes. to Kelly and Mike Wagner and Katie Clark, Casey Scheibe, John Scheibe, David Rowney, Daniele Hartelli, who not only gives you to the show, she, she also gives money gives to the show because she's person. fucking incredible. Thank you to Connor Sweeney. Thank you to Brian Jackson, Kevin Ramirez, Sister Sarah Hartley, oh. William Rockwood, and Jeffrey T. Morgan. Jeff Morgan. Jeffy Morgan. J-Mo. The J-Mo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Legitimately, from the bottom of our hearts, we cannot say this enough. Like We appreciate our patrons so much. I mean, we've had like a quarter of them on the show, and we've had a cookout with the other quarter. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> great, great people. All right, so all that aside, we're all done with that. Oh, we did it in under 10. Did it in under 10. Um, do you want, Carl, to dive right into the movie, or do you want to talk to people a little bit about this beautiful crystalline structure that we've created for Let's season give them, three? Give them a little taste, a little idea of what we have been waiting a year and a half to finally get into. Yeah, dude. That it, we programmed this goes way back, back when a certain French restaurant was still in business. A certain French restaurant that I used to be employed at, which allowed... Honestly, in a weird way, allowed this all to happen because no, I had seriously right. Yeah, I worked barely at all, and I made copious amounts of money. So it really allowed us to get into a groove before it was swept out from under. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think it's fitting too that uh, the show was born there. Yeah, just us talking at a bar. Our first movie list was written on the back of a of a receipt. Yeah, 
It was like receipt paper. I just took a bunch of print out of the printer and we started writing down like, oh, and we could arrange these into months because these kind of and the whole show was born there. So, on a very slow brunch Sunday. So, no, it wasn't. Wasn't it, it? Brunch was before my time. <gasps> it was probably like a really slow like a Tuesday or yeah, something. Yeah, it was like some <laughs> dumb Tuesday. You're behind the bar. I'm sitting at the bar. There's no one in the restaurant. We just started talking. I think it all started with. I'm putting wine in your coffee cup. <laughs> it, it was at the mouth of madness. You made yeah. me watch the trailer, and I That's was right. like, I was like, dude, I have a movie just like this that you should watch. And so was born measuring, measuring flicks. flicks. So when we decided to sit down and and plan out season two, because we always plan it, we plan the whole season all at once, including the Patreon movies. So we met back up at Le Fouf and we sat down with our notebooks and we carefully structured this beautiful season two that you guys are going to hear as season three instead, because it took us a while to figure out how the fuck to make it happen. Yeah. Art house films, foreign films, shitloads of Criterion films. We top-loaded a bunch of Miramax stuff in here, like OG 90s Miramax movies. Our themes interact with each other month to month. The Patreon movies interact with the month that they're in. Sometimes the polar opposite. Sometimes they work in synergy. Sometimes complementing. Sometimes contrasting. We've got similar directors. I can't even look at the list that we're about to watch without getting like so fucking excited, (laughs) man. Dude. So, and we we planned it all the way down to like to zero. We have the, the whole season is airtight. And then we we I we hadn't figured out the library yet where we can get a lot of movies for free through the Criterion library. Criterion Channel didn't exist. Didn't even exist. So I tallied up how much we were going to spend to watch all these movies, and I was like, "This is like a five thousand dollars season." <laughs> and then we were like, "Why don't we just watch like a bunch of Corman movies?" It's like, well, we all both of us have like different fifty movie, movie packs. packs with like, well, we could do biker movies. Yeah. So that's how we got our. Gloriously, like ramshackle, amazing season two right. with all these schlocky movies. We were burning through movie packs, but now we've got our shit figured out, and we can bring you, dude. This is two years in the making. This season, Fucking Christ, man. Yeah, yeah, and we can worth it. Our was based it on these ever. first two movies that we have watched so far. Spoilers, yeah. they're really fucking. They're good. super fucking good. So let's take you into the very first one. It's 1973's Lady Snowblood. Yeah, directed March, month of March, March is March, and beware the Ides of... the uh, Yeah, so our theme for the month is the Ides of March, all assassin films, which... So say so the soothsayer. So smart. It's a Shakespeare reference. See how highbrow we get. I with know, right? Three? It's like, oh, kind of feel like an <laughs> asshole. Like, actually, well, to understand the episode, you really do need to read Go Julius back to the bar, Caesar. <laughs> Remember, beware the odds of March. Okay, well, let's do a college course before we start talking about this. But head talk, we need to point to. (laughs) So we're diving into assassins this month, and dude, number first movie, foreign film, samurai film, badass female lead, and an assassin movie. Are you fucking kidding me? Okay, 1973's Lady Snowblood, directed by Toshia. Is that? Fujita? Fujita. Fujita. Toshia Fujita. We only could find one name. They have like the names of the actors, but no name of the character, or there's the name of the character, no name of the actor. There's no photo. The IMDb credits are pretty sparse. The the woman that plays Yuki, our assassin, is the only one that has a photo. Miko Kaji. Yeah. That's the only name we could dig up on this. Um, It it is a Criterion flick. 
We wa- and the reason that it was included in the list is it makes Quentin Tarantino's 50 favorite films of all time. You can see why. Boy, howdy, can and we you. And you can see Tarantino writing notes down while he's watching this. Yeah, man. Everything from score to like, I need to get a cinematographer with an eye similar to. Yes. The the cinematography in this movie is one of the things I most want to talk about. It's, yeah, man. It's really incredible because this actually both of the first two films we're going to talk about they don't look like they don't look as old as they are not even a little bit man they look timeless especially when we get into the other the other one, one. yeah oh yeah God. but this one this one to me it and i'm wondering how much of that is because it's there's been such a renaissance of this style of filmmaking from people like Quentin Tarantino so we're used to seeing it and it yeah. registers as new and also i mean to the Criterion Channel and Criterion in general to that group of people that do the restorations on these. Yeah. The color grade and the transfer and the amount of care that went into making sure that this print. The, Unbelievable. It's incredible. It looks like it came out. It came off the the presses like today. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The, uh, the they really do. And all of their Maybe restorations. Presses. But... The, I mean, okay. that's more like. A, well, actually, this one originally did. It's based on a manga. That's right. So the, technically, this film did come off the presses before it was transferred to celluloid. <laughs> um, so, and actually, some of the manga appears in the film. This is another one. The actual fuck, dude. Yeah. And do you want to? And you want to talk about like how this movie and Kill, Kill Bill, Bill influence each other? Kill Bill cuts to anime. This movie cuts to. Manga. This movie is Kill. I mean, it's just, it's this is his inspiration for the bride. It has to. Well, yeah, because she's working. Okay, she's working her way through a revenge hit list, which is broken into chapters. Kill Bill is the bride working her way through a hit list, broken into chapters. Exactly. It's and. We have a funky 60s jazzy kind of score behind it. Very groovy funky 60s jazzy score. There's squirty bloody bloody squirt. I've, okay. Spray spray. It's like a garden hose. I've never, this is the best, this is the best blood I've ever seen in a movie. It's not the most realistic blood. This is. Doesn't matter. When Pinata Girl has no trunk left and she's just gushing blood out, I don't give a fuck. Fuck. Pinata girl, or what about when Yuki's dad gets murked by the, the bad four, the big bad four? Oh my god. Dude. There's he has enough blood for seven elephants. This is unbelievable. <laughs> oh my there's a bit near the end where Yuki um Yuki's like standing right in front of a dude and she grabs his lapel and cuts his throat and is holding him like a foot away. And they must have had like 300 PSI on that hose because when it hits her, man, you can see her, her like clothes are like spraying. Vengeance spray. She's just like, it's unreal. Her clothes are like getting blown off her no, by seriously, the spray of their blood. Their blood is sandblasting her clothes. <laughs> um, like, I, I didn't take very many notes for this movie because I got sucked into it and I was just watching it, but a lot of my notes are just blood expl- exclamation point. Most of my notes are holy shit, fuck. It's, fuck, holy shit, yeah. Damn, is it good. Um, so you, when we sat down to record the Hook episode in season two, you had already spun this. Yes, I had. And you came to the house and said, like the first, you were like, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. I can't talk about it. And I'm like, talk about what? And you're like, I watched Lady Snowblood. And I'm like, oh, cool. Don't talk about it. And you're like, I won't. It might be my new favorite movie of all fucking time. <laughs> okay, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Max, it might be the best movie I've ever filmed. I'm not going to talk about it. It's a fucking masterpiece. I'm done talking about it. I'm like, I think Carl. I think Carl maybe liked Lady Snowblood. Walk me through it, dude. What was it like sitting down 
And because I'd never seen this, you'd never seen this. No. All I knew is Quentin Tarantino has a mad hard on for this yep. movie. And fuck, it's so good. Here, here was my thought. And then I'm gonna let you take. And then I'm gonna let you just talk to me about sure. your feelings. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> dude. So we did in season two. We did kind of a kung fu month for for your birthday month. Yep. And I, I was talking with Bert about this a little bit. I feel like this movie is kind of the movie that that was missing from that month. This this to me felt when when you told me like oh we're gonna do a kung fu month and I love these like old uh, you have like a whole movie pack and you I know you love samurai movies oh, yeah. and kung fu flicks and Asian I, cinema in general yeah I I feel I was when I watched when as soon as Lady Snowblood was done I was like this feels like the kind of movie that Carl this perfectly represents every reason why I love the samurai kung fu Asian cinema genre in general. This is it. This movie encapsulates all of it right from frame one. And it's just the bumper for the releasing company. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the movie at all. What's the name of that company? Because I, no I see that idea. at the beginning of like everything. Yeah, it's like it's the Japanese version of like Golden Harvest or the Shaw Brothers. Or like it's TriStar. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's one yeah, of yeah. those. But it's it's just one of those things, and it's the thing that the Tarantino rips a lot with his bumpers that he puts in front of his movies, where it's something that he saw in the movie theater that came up before all those grindhouse double features, right? Like yeah. the let's go out to the lobby thing. It's I like was, that whole the, the first time I watched uh, um, uh, Grindhouse, mm-hmm. I or the, at the first time I saw a legitimate exploitation film before. After I'd seen Grindhouse, I had n- I didn't realize that that whole like yeah that was an actual that's a real bumper from yep. OG like 1970s and 80s exploitation films that Tarantino put into his starts putting into his movies. I think it plays in one of the two Kill Bill films. Yeah, it does. It plays in a couple of his things. That, certainly in the Grindhouse, if you get the whole bloody not the whole bloody affair, that's the two Kill Bills. But if you get the Grindhouse together, yeah, that plays three times, and then I think it plays again in Kill Bill. Yeah, 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 but I I had always thought that like wow, so cool. Tarantino's making this thing that feels throwback, but really, no, he's like I need this in my film because it's part of he's a, that yeah, genre he, of film. This is something that we are going to explore in the perfectly planned structure of season three. <laughs> but like one of the things that comes up again and again, this movie was chosen because Tarantino says it's one of his fifty favorite films. We watch it, we love it as much as Tarantino does, and you immediately start seeing that he is homaging, writing love letters to, riffing See, off that's of. exactly what it is. Because a lot of people give Tarantino shit. They say that he's not, he is not a great filmmaker. All he's doing is ripping off other movies that came up. He's ripping off Lady Snowblood, or he's ripping off The Seven Samurai. He's ripping off, fuck that. Well, actually, Carl, what it, they're saying is, uh, actually, yeah, he's ripping exactly off what... Lady Snow. You'll notice there's a 73 film. Listen, you can go back and you can watch... The Seven Samurai, and then you can watch The Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. okay? And you can enjoy them both. Yeah. He is not doing... Well, he had nothing to do with either one of those films. The, th- <laughs> the point is, like, the m- movies are remade, stories are retold. There are yeah. only fucking so many words and so many letters in the English language. You're going to be repeating things. But the idea is to give your own spin, spin and, like, artistic, like, little peppering onto it. Right. He's right. You, you already said it. You said it best. He's writing love letters to this genre in an incredible way and making them his own. 
If you think it's if you think it's so fucking easy to make a movie based on something that exists already, go fucking do it and see how great it looks. Yeah, give it a spin. Give that a fucking try, okay? You gather the people <laughs> around you to make that happen. Not to get too like uh But uh, I'm not defending Tarantino, but I guess I kind of am. He does not that way, Tarantino it, needs because defending Because it's hard him. it's it's hard not to we're probably going to be talking about him quite a bit in this episode in particular because yeah. this is a movie that has uh he sort of guided us to not directly, but it's on his list of top yeah. fifty favorite movies that have influenced him, mm-hmm. right? So it's impossible to talk about Lady Snowblood without talking about Quentin Tarantino. Those because two he, are connected how we got in here. a very real way. Right. Um I think Jim Jarmish on this subject, I think Jim Jarmish said it in a way I don't and I think this he might be quoting somebody else, but the quote the, I heard this quote through Jim Jarmish and he said, Movies are like waves on the ocean. Yep. There's a million different waves, but it's all the same water. Exactly. And I'm t- that's what excites me about movies and music. Good movie. Mm, do music, not like stupid shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the same thing with music. Like, there is good art, there's bad art, and it's all, I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, obviously. Like, I can watch something and think it's beautiful, and you can be like, that is garbage. It's a whole idea of art. But the idea that, the notion that if something resembles something else that, that takes away from its own uniqueness, right. I don't, it's just bullshit. Like, there's only so many colors on the wheel, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I mean, we learn, you learn in college English that they say there's what, like five, six stories, six or seven stories, yeah. and that's it? Yeah. And you're like, it's what you do with that that makes it great or not. Right, right, right. If uh, it resonates. If something still resonates, it doesn't matter if it's similar to. Yeah. And we even have like apps, like shot by shot remakes of films that we've covered in previous seasons mm. that are legitimate and have their purpose and have their use. Yeah, totally. You know? Um, I, I love that that Tarantino is, Tarantino writes his love letters to these these films gone by. And through that... We get to experience. We get these to go movies. back and discover them. Like we're doing a whole month this year. Uh, we're doing. We're bringing back Westerns Month, and three of those, three out of four of those, are Tarantino picks because yes. we talked in season one about there's a shot in The Searchers that is in Kill Bill Volume Two, perfect replica replica of the shot just flipped with the bride on the other side yep, of the door, exactly. and it's uh, what I was gonna say is not to get too like weird and heady about it, but. In a, in a way, when you homage movies like that and really, truly love a movie enough to get the exact aspect ratio right and get your light levels exactly right and frame yeah. your actress just so and you throw that out in 2016, and you're like, here, boom. And that echoes in people's heads who've seen The Searchers. They're like, this seems so familiar and it, it's, it, it, it evokes. Absolutely. And the reason that I like that is it reminds me of the tarot. So tarot cards, the way that tarot works is all, it's all symbolism. It's all Jungian archetypal symbols. When, when human beings see a full moon, we all feel a profound feeling about the full moon yep. because it's an, it's a symbol. Like there's blood, moon, rivers, uh, uh, usually mother, babies. There's, there's sim, there's things in the world that when you see them, because we so universally, Five. yeah. When when humans see a thing, there because across cultures we all have symbols that that we all share and they become archetypes. When you reference films throughout time this carefully, it it creates echoes 
of art throughout time. So it's we with it if it feels familiar, it's because you've seen it before. Exactly. And you have a more and it's, it's being done with loving care, which makes it yeah, dude. It's like movies as magic. So this is my whole thought with Lady Snowblood, right. In general, and with yeah. Quentin Tarantino. So he is on record as saying that he is going to make his next film. And that's going to be it. He's going to retire, and that's sad because no more Quentin Tarantino movies. He says that. He says that. But let's say it's true. Okay. We get his catalog of movies, and there's no more Tarantino movies. The beauty thing about Tarantino and cinema in general is there will always be another Tarantino movie that we haven't seen to watch, and it's the thousands of Asian and grindhouse films that he was inspired by. If you want to see another Tarantino movie, you can go back and watch Lady Snowblood because it's all there. It's yeah. not directed by him. No. But he was influenced by it. And it misses it misses some of it, but like um, you can go watch... Um, like a, a, I can't remember his name. The he's there's a famous Italian crime director who wrote. He has like a trilogy of cr- like hard hard boiled crime films. You watch those, and you're watching, you're watching the movies that made Tarantino. You can yeah. you can feel him backwards through time in those movies. You know, like Tarantino is a product of all the movies that he loves. And when we run out of Tarantino movies, we can go read or go go so watch. What we're doing Tulane Blacktop this year. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> that we and so many times we've discovered people through modern directors. For example, we fell in love with Jim Jarmusch in yes. season one. We're next next week. We're going to cover a movie that Jim Jarmusch has explicitly said is one of his favorite films of all time and is the reason that he made Ghost Dog. And I, I don't know if we and we can we'll talk about it on next episode, but you can see his you can see Jim Jarmusch's eye in the eye of that film you can feel jim jarmusch's pace in the pace of that film incredible his use of light his use of angles his use of sparse dialogue and it's like watching it's like meeting jim jarmusch's parents holy shit yeah you know yeah and that's fucking awesome you know precisely incredible man yeah so okay let's talk let's talk specifically now let's dig into the actual nitty-gritty of lady snowblood and like i said i didn't t- i was not able to take very many notes partly this because is a, of the oh my, this is the perfect again i'll say it again man this is a perfect example of this type of cinema man it's a super simple story yeah there's not there the stakes aren't they're super low it's one woman and her her vow of vengeance that was placed on her as a baby by her mother well i would say the stakes are super high well they're super <laughs> high for well it's Lives are like it's all about murder. It's all about murder. Many people. But there's no global scale. There isn't like if we don't do this, the planet's going to explode. It's a very personal story. There you go. Which I love. Yeah. The the scale is very small. That's what I was trying to say. Right. I I was like, stakes are low. The opening sequence, I think, is like a like a open air prison. Well, there's (laughs) open air prison, and there is a whole population that has been like being taken advantage of by the government the blood tax yeah and the blood tax and like we will lit- like legitimately fuck you up if you don't yeah they're conscripting japan is cons- it's 1873 the japanese government is conscripting all of the men between the ages of 16, 16 and 20 and se- yeah yeah you if you're s- 17 and you haven't signed up for the draft or been drafted yeah then they will like imprison your family or kill your or family. kill your family yeah they like they were massacring whole villages who were refusing to um, like give their sons over. You know this is this is pretty intense shit. So and this is stuff that actually happened in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that is the framework of our movie is 
essentially like a combination draft slash genocide is happening exactly. in, in seventy-three. And our story starts when the father of not the father it's a it's the husband of the mother of our lady snowblood mm-hmm. is killed because the there's certain there's five, is it five people do you want to try and rearrange the mixed up chronology or do you want to go through the movie as it is presented to well, us well it's very tarantinoed it very much <laughs> is <laughs> or is tarantino very no, tar- snowblood no he's very snowbloody <laughs> all right so because we do get things out of order we do and i actually like where this movie starts bird didn't so much, but that's because Bird hates doesn't really like prison like, movies. Babies, crying babies, births, oh, scenes of birth. Oh man! Well, the whole thing we get there's no score. You hear the the the, the pouring of rain and a baby screaming is it's, the first thing that you hear in this movie in an open air prison, isn't it? I didn't. There's no rain. It's snowing. No, that's what I it's meant. It's snowing super hard. Why am I hearing rain? I don't know. Did you get a different version than I did? No, I don't think so. Did I, we do that again? Oh, God. Not, oh, not for the first episode. Watched, we can't do we it can't. that way. <laughs> <laughs> we can't You're like, do it. Wait, wait, wait. I watched mine on Prime. You watched yours on Yeah, Criterion, I watched the maybe. Prime version, and it starts with rain, and she's on a yacht, right? I'm like, no, it's an open-air prison, and it's snowing. There was snowing. like a music video. There were boats. There were hoes. There were hoes and boats. You didn't watch the hoes on the boats cut no? of Lady Snowblood? No, okay. This is going to be a weird episode. So it start, the and then the next thing that happens is Godzilla. Oh no, my, I'm sorry. My note is humans. I should just read my notes. Humans in cages, baby screams, snow, snow is falling, wind and cries. That's all we hear. This this cinematography immediately. I, I sent you a text last night and I said because we've been saying it all through season two. Man, they used to make movies. My first text I sent you we're last night was like, again. Carl, we're watching movies again. And fuck yeah, we are, man. Our first shot is a. It is a. Uh, it's like a. Uh, a rolling tracking shot. It's not actually a tracking shot. They're just they're just uh, they've got a camera on a dolly and they're rolling it down a hallway. And what we see on the hallway is consisting of wood slat uh, bars in an open air prison in the winter time. And we can see and I the the the, the snow the this? use of the yeah. slats is genius because it breaks the snow up. And it's not a thin little bar. It's like a thick piece of wood. So the screen is like cut up like like vertical these really heavy vertical lines and all of the prisoners are wearing red prison uniforms so you what you get is these slats of blackness and at the very end of the hallway mm. is this beautiful, so beautiful and i think what makes it so beautiful is very geometric straight lines broken by the wildness of white snow beyond that pure white snow and the knowledge that there's humans in cages it's such a strange and the way that we get that knowledge is their arms are through the slats and they're like holding onto the bars and some of their arms are hanging, but the slats obscure their bodies. So what you get is this black hallway with disembodied red limbs hanging out into it. It is gorgeous and hellish. Yep. Because the people in the cages, they're just, they're just red arms with no faces and no bodies. They're just these disembodied nothing people and that's what these prisoners are. And outside, there's something about that white snow doing whatever it wants. It blows diagonally. It blows crosswise. It falls straight down. But it is not ruled by these bars as these people are. And we're 10 seconds into the movie, and my heart is pounding, and my chest is filling with, like, admiration. This is such a beautiful film. And let's let's not, get, let's not you know, dive all over this movie. Like, oh, it's, so good. it's a goopy... 
Dude, some of the like, there's moments where like the camera will get bumped. Oh, in the- there's there's a scene like about halfway, maybe a little halfway through, where it's like it's like the cameraman tripped on a rock and had to catch himself <laughs> with like three different like and they couldn't step, like step 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 readjust. Oh fuck it, we're out of film. We gotta keep it. There's a crane <laughs> shot where you're like, I think this crane shot was just a camera like taped to a stick because <laughs> it was as they're lowering the crane shot, it's like it's Rrr. moving the camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's some definite problems. I mean, they're. <laughs> But I, but I was saying a bird. I don't think they're problems because like that's part it's of It's adding to the whole yeah, charm of the movie. That's Absolutely, like what these movies. The fact that the cameraman almost fell over and they had to keep the shot because <laughs> they're like we really we it's really brilliant. cannot afford. I mean that's the last can we got, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> like we don't get more film budget until Friday. Right. Today is Wednesday, <laughs> right. and we do have like a long dialogue. And we just scene. came <laughs> back from lunch, so we've got like a lot of time left. How shaky is it? Let's watch it back. Oh, you can't watch it back. You had to go send it to the lab. Oh yeah, you got to print it. They're yeah. like, oh, that camera was fucking shaking. Okay, li- listen, uh, Yoshiro, was it in focus? Yeah, it totally was, boss. Okay, it was in focus. It was pretty shaky though. Yes, fucked up shaky. But <laughs> did it's you in- see me fall over the rock? I feel Is there like a shadow? Know. It might have been a shadow, but it's in focus. Print it. Print it. Fuck it. Send it to Kodak. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Probably Fujifilm, but yeah. Probably Fujifilm. <laughs> um, dude. So okay, we get we get this beautiful this the the prison birth. Dude, it's harrowing. The birth of Asura. Well, her name is Yuki, Yuki but she is, the Asura is the demon. She is. Well, they, they call her the demon because she is born with the sole purpose of to avenge her mother. And they kind of explain that that it's a it is a being who is born specifically to have rev, like this revenge, this vendetta given to them. Yes. It's like a curse. They're a cursed demon. Yeah, by their own parent. Yes. Because we find out that mom... is so fucking heavy through this whole movie. I'm like, she is a slave to her mother who... Then you start to... It's a weird thing happened, man. It's uniquely Japanese, it is. too. Because there, there's a little bit of lost in transla- translation, I think, too, in the, in the subtitling. Because that always happens, right? Yeah, yeah. So there is no word for this, so we'll use this because it's close. But you can get the idea, like... There is so much cultural context here for this Asura demon idea. Right. And part of me, the the white American male is upset because, like, how dare you, this child, there's no freedom. They're born into slavery through their parents. I had no parents. problem with it at all. No, I know. But, like, <laughs> no, so I was like, the, that part of my brain is like, this is horrible, this person. But then I remembered I'm watching this Japanese film mm. based on these old legends and things. And I'm like, Holy fuck, man. Talk about having like this deep, deep like knowledge of ancestry. It feels very folkloric. Super folkloric. Yeah. And it's it's like the Japanese version of a grim fairy tale. Yes, very much so. Because it is just as dark. More. And more dark. Definitely darker. Um, Swum. Swam. Swam Um, and swam. (laughs) So there was this. There was this moment last night because we've been watching some f- hectic shit lately. We watched yeah, yeah. Cannibal Holocaust and funny games and stuff for the Patreon last season. Um, and I was talking with Bird, and I was like, "We're." It was the scene where Yuki's father is killed. And by that point, we've had like I'd say like eighty slaughter scenes, yeah. like really rowdy death going on in this movie. And I was talking with Bird, and I was like, seventy three. I was like, people give American films. So much shit for being violent. We're pussies, man. Compared to the Japanese, fuck yes we are, dude. 
Name the last movie you saw, even in 2020, in Made in America that's as violent as this one. Well, John Wick, but... Yeah, but John Wick has a... Compared to this... A stylized comic bookiness I'm going to almost say like a sterile... This violence is really visceral. Yeah, no, you're right. Because by the time John puts a bullet into the 57th person... Yeah. You're like, this is a cartoon. This is fucking... There's a, and I don't mean this slicing in slicing people open. I don't mean this in a bad way. I right. Mean, I mean this as a in a recognizing a cultural difference way. Mm-hmm. There is an absurd amount of cruelty to violence in Japanese movies. Absolutely. That is, absent. and it's in their pornography too. Then just to be clear. <laughs> Yeah, the, I'm not movies, saying, like movies, movie, anything yeah, movies. they put on film. No, celluloid, but, not celluloid. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm gonna be over here in my corner. <laughs> My goal for season three is to have you not have to cut anything. Do you want to try it? I mean, I'm gonna. Well, if we're gonna be doing live shit, I need to be 38 minutes. Let's see. Self censoring. Let's see if we can. We're 38 minutes into season three, and I haven't been put into my corner yet. Not yet. You're doing good. Let's see. We're gonna start with before you say let's like to do the whole season. Let's see if we can make through a whole episode. Then we'll then we'll talk. Yeah, man. Yeah. We're gonna. It'll be like one of those workplaces. Be like, it has been 62 episodes (laughs) since without incident. Oh my god. (laughs) We should put that in the back. You know that I've given myself a swear jar on Game Break Studios, right? Have you? Yeah. Well, so scary, no sweary. That's good. That's good. You got it. My first game has cost me $16 so far. How much do you put in every a time you swear? A dollar for per swear. It's for charity. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I like that. We should have a edit point jar. <laughs> we should. <laughs> this month we'll be giving to Planned Parenthood for every time Carl says. Da- I, I was like, I was like 39 minutes. <laughs> We'll do a nickel per. Right. And oh, the, that's the, all the budget we have, baby. And by June, we'll donate $1,000 to a play. new car. <laughs> God damn it. We'll do a patron. I don't mean to be this way, man. <laughs> I got weird brain chemistry and stupid shit comes out of my mouth a lot. <laughs> Hey, man, it's honestly... Too much laudanum in Baltimore. Sometimes the edit points are the funniest part of the show. Chris Fieldhouse is a good one for saying <laughs> his bad stuff. Yeah, his little sirens. Yeah, that's great. But can, can I talk about Japanese violence for yes, a moment? Yes, you can. Okay, so here's the difference for me between violence in American films and violence in the, like a Japanese movie. In in John Wick, he's putting bullets. He draw, I think he technically kills more people than, than Yuki oh, does. Oh, he in does. Snowblood. Well, she is a very specific specific about who she kills and she's really good about getting to her targets until she until she until just got to get through a couple people to get well to that's them. when yeah towards the end when it's Dude. like we've got our entire assassin squad on your ass it's literally called chapter four pleasure pleasure palace, palace. the final scene of carnage oh my god I when i saw the final so scene of carnage on screen i literally like got teary-eyed because i was i missed I missed this? this. No, seriously. You know? I think we had the exact same experience watching this movie. I think you're right. I think we had the same the same frame. Yeah. The same minute. Yeah. Having the same experience. Where you're just like we Though we were worlds apart season, watching yeah, it at man, different, times. different times. I was just like Carl is close to me yeah, at this moment. Exactly. But so John Wick's putting bullets through bodies, bodies are dropping and the whole time we're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no there's no one that John Wick kills where I cringe. No. Even in the next movie we're going to talk about, and the movie after that, because we've well, the next, seen there's them two all. deaths in the next one. Yeah, which oh, we'll talk we'll talk about French violence later because spoilers, it's a French film. But like, even in that movie, I don't really feel bad for anyone who's dying. You're rooting for the killer. There's something about 
this movie and in in really hyper violent Japanese films like I mean we don't have to talk about the guinea pig films but this movie when Yuki kills somebody it's the kind of death where you you feel a little bit of the femur hit your face it makes you want it makes you uncomfortable some of the kill some of the deaths in this even when Yuki is killing people make you feel dirty yeah or or you know, I mean, I, th- I honestly think it's cr- cringy. I think is the word is it's it's very cringy. Yeah, like uh. there when when people die, especially in like seventies, eighties, seventies and eighties, in seventies and eighties movies, like all the Lone Wolf and Cub films, for example, right. when people are being killed in Japan, the killer oftentimes takes such pleasure. In do you the- think some of that has to do with the fact that it's a bladed weapon? Well, yeah, partly, but we've also watched so many Halloween movies where you don't give a shit about all these True, Michael's plunging knives into people. But he, what is absent from Michael when he's killing people? Cruelty. Emotion. He's not taking yeah. any pleasure in it. There's something very like the bad guys in, in this movie. We can talk specifically about this, but this is something I've noticed across Japanese cinema of this type. The, the villains and sometimes the heroes take such pleasure in... In the turning of the knife? Turning of the knife, the pain, the particular amount of blood, the obscenity of cutting someone's limbs off. like The fact that she is horrified and upset by the fact that someone has died of, um, at not of her hand. Yeah. She's despondent. She is despondent that she didn't and get she didn't get to person. put her blade into them. It's... I mean, maybe this is maybe this will be like a Halloween 2018-1978 moment for me where I'm not able to really... Fully uh, uh, communicate what I'm feeling, but for oh, me, oh, Halloween is Halloween now. That kind of a thing. Yeah, it's okay. it's that kind of thought in my head where I almost think that Japanese violence hits me harder because of the psychological or or abstract psychological element of it, where where someone someone's losing a limb, or a, in this movie, a woman is raped for three days, right. and everyone who's doing it seems devoid of humanity, and they're loving every second. Yeah, of it's it the, it's a lav. They're they're just enjoying it like there's like dogs and just in heat. It's it, fucking. There's crazy. a really harsh quality. Yeah, 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 to, yeah, the, yeah. to the violence in this movie, and like the this. There's also a sense of, and you don't. I think this is to the Japanese. Film filmmakers credit that the victims in this. What makes their deaths fucked up for me is the filmmaker and the the writer of the script and just and again across like films of this type made by Japanese filmmakers. There's a sense of of their relationships to other people. There's a sense of what this will cost others emotionally. Yeah. When a, when a henchman takes a bullet in the head in John Wick. No, they're henchman number 37. You're not thinking about like But in Japanese cinema, you you understand there's someone father, someone son, someone yes, daughter, someone's even, yeah. Dude, even in that opening scene where they're the opening slaughter where she kills oh, the fuck. like five gang members, when she cuts that first dude's arm off, I don't know exactly what it is, but you're like Oh fuck! He's got friends. He's yep. got. There's a sense. He was a part of a community. Like this is. Yeah, it's very strange how that's different. And I, I, I think because it is. I, I, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. It's not as abstract as the Halloween is Halloween, which I finally figured out after some 
some cabbage. Yeah, but, dude. You know, <laughs> you can, when, like, I can't explain it to you now yeah, any better. When but you get I there, know. there's like a pebble that hits your brain and you're yep. like, oh my God. <laughs> I can't explain it to you though any yeah. better than no, but I get it. I'm glad you yeah. get it, man. I'm glad one yeah, other person in the in, world can't understands. Put it into words, but the pebble hit my head for sure, man. <laughs> um, you know, and like, and this is one of the things I like about the films we picked for season three is we can kind of go deep on stuff like yeah, this. Man. Because our discussion is bigger than the movie itself when it comes to very think, much like Lady so. Snowblood. Yeah. So what I think is like, for example, um, when we're Bird and I were watching the movie, and we're both of us are using Duolingo to like learn Japanese right now. Um, fuck. Get on it, Carl. Yeah, dude. Okay. So because you know, I was like, oh, sorry, we're getting derailed, but like Japanese, Cantonese, Mandarin, those three, I like have to somehow. I'm 42, and there's not a lot of time left, baby. <laughs> I'm staring down the barrel of a gun right do, now. Do what you <laughs> can. Do as quick as you can. Fuck me. I feel like learning particularly languages like that are make you smarter, right? Well, just watching, I could watch an entire fucking hour and a half of the the dude fucking writing Japanese characters. It's with beautiful. Ink. I, it it's was totally the most beautiful. incredible fucking thing I've seen. Yeah, I yeah that will and we'll get to him. When Besides we, my wife's eyes, my wife's eyes when she said I do. I mean, it's like know. the second most the incredible second most thing incredible thing, thing I've seen is ink being delicately. Right. And it's just someone writing a newspaper. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. To derail. But. Um, well, he's writing a novel, but right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he's writing Lone Wolf and. What, what I, I was thinking, I was talking with Bert about how, you, uh, in a weird way, language is like the software of your culture, because oh, very much so, yeah. The, like the way that the Jap, the Japanese syntax works, the way you structure sentences. When you say your name, you say your family name first, and then your name, because your family unit is more important than the individual. Which that, is why this. Asura demon thing is such an important thing. Yeah. Well, but family first and then you. Well, the family first and then your name. And in a weird way, in Japan, like when they go to work in the morning, they all sing the company anthem together and do calisthenics together. The group is, in a way, more important than the individual. And that's baked into the culture. So what you see when you see it, somebody killed, they're not. It, when okay, when the when John Wick shoots a henchman, that henchman is an individual man. He's there of his own. He these are his choices, and in a he's in his own box. He's he's sequestered away from the group because America's very individualistic. Absolutely. When someone is killed in a Japanese film, you think of his his family name came first. You think of his family. You think of the group he's a part of. You think of his society. Even when he's a bad person you think of that you see the ramifications yeah there's, there's so much more to like loyalty and honor and things like that too i that play in here yeah and we have a lot more movies like this coming up oh, so so we'll get to talk about this more and maybe unpack it more but i was tr- i couldn't i couldn't quite put my finger on it last night but all of the deaths are worse yep they're a bit, they're, i would agree completely they're, they're definitely more weighty yeah like, um fuck because they matter which doesn't make them heavy either because dude like you're cheering your way oh through. you are but no <laughs> you're you're cheering at the same time like fuck fuck yeah there's definitely a grittiness Ooh. to it um what did you think of after the birth after the mom you know we, the mom is like i put this upon i put well this, the you must continue my vendetta the li- I so many lines i wrote down that i have is even before we enter the world we are uh, marked by karma yeah yeah. That's like one of the first things. Well, she that, says even if it takes seven lives. Exactly. There, does, you might not be the one to see this through. It might be your daughter or your daughter's daughter. Or your, but at some point. Which is heavy shit. Holy shit, man. <laughs> but like. Dude, that's hate, That's multi-generational hatred is yeah. what we're watching. And it's like for me, I'm like, it's a baby. How can you put that on a baby? And then I'm like, oh, yeah. 
this is fucking incredible. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, dog. <laughs> you birthed a demon to take care of your vengeance for you. Like that's incredible. And I love how they mark And she's a she's a she's a product of a rape. No. Her, isn't she? Mm-mm. I thought her father was one of the men that she is unknown remember the scene where she says uh she's talking to the women who are like her midwives and she says like uh uh, i know that you always accused me of being a nymphomaniac and it's true that's why she was fucking all the guards and she was trying to get pregnant so she could have a baby all right so i was confused on all of that i thought she was just trying to she's been in prison for a long time she got she was put in prison for murdering her husband it is so hard to watch these and take notes when it's all subtitled. Yes, I totally agree. So here's what happened. Here's the I'm gonna I'm gonna take the the squirrely rope and I'm gonna chronologize it really quick. Perfect. Yuki and her family are not Yuki. She's not born. Um, mom, Yuki's mom. Mom, dad, and their son, Yuki's elder brother, who she never met because he dies. They show up to town. These four bad guys kill Yuki's brother. Again, Yuki's not born yet or even conceived. So the son and the dad are killed. Mom survives. She's raped for three days by these four bad guys. Still not pregnant. Three bad guys, one bad woman. True. Three bad guys, one bad woman. One of the bad guys takes her to Tokyo, and they start like a restaurant. And she, he, he basically he loved like, her. He, I think he kind like of like having force wifed her. Yes, yes, yes. So there's this. There's this. Okay. So they live for a while. She's waiting for the right moment. They're like they're quote unquote. I'm gonna say hard quote married. Yeah. There's a sequence. She's having or uh, he's having sex with her. She reaches over, takes a knife, and fucking murks. Dude, that blood spray when she kills her hard air quotes husband. Blood, the knife goes in, then goes in more. Yeah. And then. That's when it like hits the vein or whatever. Yeah. Did you notice it's the blood spray hits her and so much blood hits her that it hits the camera lens and they oh, don't yep. cut. There's gloop on it. There's yep. blood dripping down the camera. Fucking incredible, man. She rolls on top. Blood is spraying on these curtains. Everything in this movie that is anywhere. Anytime you see white on screen, you're you like, know it's gonna be covered someone's in blood. Yeah. getting <laughs> dead. That white's going to be red in four and a half minutes. You're like, oh, look, uh, they're on white bed clothes. She's wearing white. There's white sheets. Yeah, you're like, someone's fucking losing it. (laughs) She's just going to cut all of the veins. That's all veins. All at once. And he is. She's going to de-vein everyone in there. (laughs) And this dude's diet has been just tablespoons of salt for a week. His blood pressure is like. Boiled beets and. (laughs) 10,000 over five is like his blood pressure. (laughs) Raw steak with just. Iodized, unopposed <laughs> sodium. Just yeah, just <laughs> it's a salt crusted thing. His his blood. His he's like I'm dizzy and I can barely see. My blood pressure's so high. And she's like, perf. <laughs> it is akin to the Ichi the Killer. It is man. Dad blood. Oh my god. So All right. Good. So she murders this dude. Gets arrested, goes to prison. Still not pregnant. That's why she has sex with all the guards trying to get pregnant. Because she knows she's gonna. She's a life. She's sentence. going to die in prison. She says it. She's like, yep. I have a life sentence. Okay, I'm gonna that all die makes sense here. I missed. Yeah. <sighs> That's why I'm gonna go back and watch it. Criterion. Criterion. Channel, folks. We don't. We don't get. We don't get paid. By we Criterion. don't. We're not sponsored by Criterion. Go fucking subscribe to the Criterion channel, man. For sure, yeah. Woman, it is if if you think if you're if you're tired of scrolling through Netflix for five hours a night, adding ten things to your list and not not watching anything, you could blind click on Criterion Channel and be amazing. Anything you watch is gonna be awesome. It might not be to your taste. There's a lot of stuff on here that's very art art house, but dude, these are some these are the best movies of all time. 
the, the Criterion Channel grabs the greatest movies ever. Yep. And then they restore them to 4K quality with a brand new soundtrack, supervised by the fucking director if he's still alive, with mini documentaries, and goddamn, dude. It's incredible. We should... Oh. The reason we talk about Criterion so much, even though they don't kick us money, is because we are genuine and true fans. And and we do what they do is amazing. If you're a film fan, the Criterion channel is something you should look at really hard. For real. Alright, back to the movie. Um, so she has sex with all of these guards to get pregnant because she's going to die in prison, but the baby won't because the baby's not a criminal. Right. So she has gives birth, gives the baby to one of the other prisoners. That prisoner takes the baby out and delivers the baby to her aunt. That's right. That's how all that works out. And the aunt is totally aware. Yes, dude. Of I love how in everyone is on this vendetta. Yeah, and there's no like, oh, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe it's that everyone is 1,000% in. Yeah. And this is what this child's destiny is. That's where yeah. the line, even before we enter the world, we are marked by karma. Yeah. The aunt teaches her how to pick pockets and teaches yep. her some like street smart type shit. And then, uh, hmm, wait a minute, a young girl delivered to an extremely cruel master right? who hmm. teaches her all of these things that make her basically an... Very good. <laughs> I wonder if this... There's a, there's a very thin mm. parallel here, I think, to a, a movie. It's Kill Bill. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, it's this fucking Kill yeah. Bill sequence where she's punching the board it's, for it's, hours It's everything hours. is... It's, it, he's literally teaching her everything except for the two-inch punch, and that's it. I mean, it's like, if this guy had taught Yuki the two-inch punch, that's probably why Tarantino went with the two-inch punch. Is he's like, yeah, I need a little differentiation here between the Lady first, Snowblood and yeah, Killa. in the first cut, it was Uma Thurman going down hills and barrels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I fucking love Dummy getting kicked out of a barrel, man. Is that not the coolest thing oh ever, my man? Fucking god, it's amazing. Dude. Um, you stay in the barrel. So, oh god. Okay, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of walking up steps, she's getting rolled down in a barrel. It's yeah. incredible. Can I, yeah, she's carrying water up in barrels yep. in Kill Bill, and she's getting rolled down, down a hill in, barrel. in barrels in Lady <laughs> Snowblood. Um, can I talk about cinematography for a hot oh, second? please do, man. Bro, when in the in the opening sequence when the Yuki is born and mom places the Asura curse, let's call it, just for Western audiences, for what, yeah, yeah. C- placing the Asura curse, the vendetta, like charging her with this blood blood feud vendetta to kill the people who wronged her family. They're like Jedi assassins, man. Look, the Sith. This, Sorry, I have that note. I'll talk about this movie and the next movie do something really well that I, I think a lot of modern movies kind of fail on. These movies, in, especially this one, w- were told something, and then in case we didn't get it, the filmmakers find this beautiful way to visually reinforce what we've just seen. The passing of the, the she names her snow. Yuki, it means snow, according to the film. That's how they translate it, Yuki, snow. Um, when she passes the Asura curse on, she's like, you know, your pure, the pure snow of you will be like tainted with the blood of our enemies. We cut to the snow blowing outside the slats and it goes, the white snow turns red. <sighs> the snow itself changes in this moment of, of this baby is born innocent. Snow that's falling is pure because it has not yet touched the earth. But while it's still in the sky, it is imbued with red. It's one of, And also, all that aside, it's one of the most gorgeous shots I've ever seen. Because it's just, it's a wide shot of the slats. It's just beautiful, harsh, black bars. We're in prison with a baby and outside this blizzard turns red it's 
dude, you get chi- I just got chills yeah, straight me too. up. It's gorgeous. And then to be introduced, I love the jumps in time. I think they're really well done. Well, it the story plays out so much more. I mean, it's super interesting to see things. But that's why Tarantino borrows that so heavily because it's such an interesting way to tell a story. Yeah. If you tell Memento. Yeah, we've talked from about front it. To back, if you flip it the right way it's around, a, it's, it's kind a of very, boring. It's kind of like a mediocre, all right, oh, that's an interesting sense. Not great. It's fine. Once but you, when you mess with time, you're constantly guessing at things. You're being informed just enough of the past. Yeah. Or sometimes not sometimes enough. Sometimes not enough. Yeah. In that perfect way. Yeah. Where it's just you're always wanting another little bit of breadcrumb. Mm-hmm. I don't One of my favorite things of, in this movie is when we're gonna a barrel of Yuki. <laughs> Sorry, some of my notes kind of funny. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, by I the way, cross that all... one off as we talked about barrel of Yuki. <laughs> we did. Um, while we're talking about this, um, you you talked about oh, uh, like no stakes at the beginning. I love that the cold open because we haven't even gotten the credit sequence yet. No. The baby's born. We're getting mind-blowing cinematography. And then we see adult Yuki walking with her, her umbrella. umbrella. <laughs> and the gang comes around the corner and she hides. They get close and she kind of surprises them. And they're like, oh, look, a woman. Get her out of here. Get her out of here. Um, this gang, you realize much later in the movie, she's killing them so that guy will owe her a favor. And that favor is track down the people I need to kill. Yep. So it all, everything is connected. There's, no, there's nothing in this movie that's done for no reason. But right now, we don't know who the fuck these people are. This is just to show us what she can do. Exactly, what what she's capable of. Dude, that, Absolutely. her slaughtering that gang. The first dude comes out and pulls out his little, like, his little, like, tiny kitchen knife. He's oh, like, that's cute. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut you up, girly girl. I'm gonna beat, beat you with my umbrella, Chops how about? his right arm yeah. completely the fuck off. And it sprays everywhere. Two other dudes run at her. She kills them like no problemo. Big boss guy gets out and pulls out his. It's not a wakazishi. It's like a. It's like a machete. It's like an American machete. Yeah, pretty much. And he's like, I'm gonna cut you. Who sent you? And she's like, What? Doesn't it literally doesn't matter? You're going to be dead in a couple seconds. Yep. You are five breaths away from your last. Yeah. So she like deflects a blow. The sword play in this is gorgeous. incredible, right? Oh yeah. my god. Man. She like deflects a blow and like runs him through. By the way, that's one another thing this movie does the, well. Pulling the blade out yes. was crazy, dude. Because we've seen blades push, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's rare that you from from behind seeing the blade point out. Yeah. And being then like pulled sh- back out. Yeah. The, the, that was and then. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Blood spray fucking everywhere. Yeah. The amount of blood is crucial. You can't do movies like this without too much blood. You need more blood than there really is. I still don't think there was enough. I think they could have had four more gallons. (laughs) They could have kill build it. That's rowdy. There's a lot of there's a lot of blood in that movie, and I think that's this is why. Well, the same the same exact kind of blood spray. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's man, it's that opening slaughter is so good. And then we get the opening the opening credit sequence walking through the countryside, her picking flowers. I got a little bit like kung fu the television series got some like I love I was ideas I, here. I can't help but hear because you know, I'm coming the at Hulk this. The Hulk theme. No. <laughs> no. But like that there's like kind of an anime opening anime credit sequence feel to it yes. where it's like but you can also hear Tarantino because dude that again like that that I'm not sure if it's that exact song 
But it's something so like that. But it is. It's like a Japanese. It's a Japanese pop song, like a jazzy pop. Okay, hero. You think so? I. I think so. This is kind of weird. I. I kind of heard. Um. Oh no, I've forgotten his name. The guy who did uh, all the all the. Uh, uh, Cowboy uh, Bebop. No, the the Western. Think Western. It's the guy who did the. Ario Maracone. It sounds like Jap a Japanese. That version wasn't the of name Ennio, I did like. <laughs> Ennio Morricone. Okay. Yeah, it it almost to me sounded. It has like a Western feel. Yeah. And Bird pointed out, you know, I mean, I noticed this as well, but like there is a very Western vibe to this. She's kind of. This is like the. This you can see why the Japanese loved gunslingers Absolutely. so much. Is they're basically Ronin, you know. So I don't know. I got I got like some Western vibes from it, and I really dug it. I think what I was remembering because I did watch this last week is that most of the score itself does have the '60s, mid '60s sort of a jazziness to definitely, it. Definitely, definitely. And that is borrowed heavily by Quentin Tarantino and a lot of his stuff too. Yeah, the soundtrack well, to this. I mean, it's very, very jazzy. That is something that people don't recognize enough is how much of a difference a cool score can make. And this score is cool very cool yeah it's like it's it's got a it's got a real vibe yep, to absolutely it. you know there's a certain like it feels beatnik almost in a weird kind of kinda, way yeah yeah but but it, and like that's something that tarantino does really well is put like you're you're watching like bank robbers and stuff and you expect to hear like bum, 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 but what you hear instead is like uh like uh, you know hands to the left of me jokers right. to the right here i am and you're like i know that song and it it grounds you, you in You reality. get K Billy's Super Sounds of the 70s is, is what you get. Uh when yeah. <laughs> when when Lady Snowblood's dad gets killed. I just saw my note on it. When he gets killed, there's this fucking hilarious moment. Well, it's not hilarious because he's getting murdered. But he's he's gets he gets like sliced in the neck, he's spraying blood, he gets one in the chest, he gets a sword through his back that again, like pshing, you see the tip of the blade coming out his sternum. And as he's falling, his white suit soaked through with blood. He goes, this is an outrage. This is an outrage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. You could call You could consider that an outrage, sir. It's like this is this movie is from time to time kind of funny. funny. Yeah. It, it has. And I think it's not intentionally. So this feels. No, but if I mean, it ends up that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In 2020, like watching his. Watching this dad, is an outrage. He's drenched in blood and clearly dying. And he's like, this is an outrage. It's like he's going to complain to somebody yeah, about it. He's going to write a bad Yelp <laughs> yeah, exactly. review about the town. But this is just a horrible way to go. And I love that when he, I mean, again, I don't, yeah, I do. I love when he falls on the ground and he's like, he's laying there dying. We get this great shot of a guy, the other guy, uh, one of the other bad guys. I think it's the uh, Ginchiko or whatever his name is. Comes it's up, the one that disappears. Di- yeah. Dies at dies sea on the boat. or whatever. Yeah. Quote, unquote, 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 unquote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He comes over with a katana and stabs dad in the back, pulls the sword out. Blood starts like spurting or bubbling up from the wound. And he stabs the sword back into the wound. He stabs him twice in the same spot. And like when the sword goes down the second time, you get this like and more blood comes out. And we get this beautiful long shot of the two blades sticking out of dad's back. And the blood is like soaking through his jacket. And then the camera does a really slow, like, fades toward the ground. And it, again, like, watching a camera slowly falling as his lifeblood drains out of him. It's the the camera moves in this samurai movie from 73 reflect 
what the action that's happening on screen. This is very thoughtful filmmaking. And then we have a very long shot. Once we get to ground level and we can go no lower, we realize that what we're watching is dad's blood pooling and we, we stay on it so long that we see his blood start to soak into the ground. He's f- feeding the grass with I was going to say blood. he's fertilizing the ground it's, with his blood. And then the fact that immediately after that, the four bad guys don't just leave him there. They take his body and put him over a board so that his blood runs into the river and the river runs red, literally runs red with his blood. We get that shot where as we're going up the stream, there's a river of blood. And we see why, because they've like thrown dad over some over like a rock in the middle of the stream specifically to do this. And so to that is all horrible. Mm-hmm. And you, you spoke to like why the violence is so much more impactful. Cruel. And cruel. This is cruel. Um we see the approach of this family mm-hmm. and we see the approach of the gang mm-hmm. and we learn just moments before he is murdered that he is the new school teacher arriving in town elementary with his school elementary teacher. school teacher arriving in town with his family <laughs> and they fuck him up because like hey you're wearing white they think he's a conscription they think officer he's a conscri- yep exactly or it's like, no i'm i think they're just they don't actually they don't give a fuck because they the movie explains that they're running a scam they're the ones running the scam so it's like so, they are just seeing an excuse. Yeah, you're wearing white. I'm going to murder you today. Well, actually, they might. That I mean, it is a scam. But what they're so what they say is they tell all the villagers for 270 yen, you won't have to be drafted. Yep. So the Your sons are safe. So they get like tens of thousands of dollars from these very poor people who can't afford that. But in a weird way, if they really do think this guy's a conscription officer, this is how they keep the hustle going. Because he's going to come and he has authority. He has his authority. Yeah, so he's exactly. going to come so and they're con- protecting the people by taking care of the conscription. They're literally officer. a gang. They're like yeah. the mafia. They're like, hey, you don't want your sons to go to war? Pay us money. And if a conscription officer we'll shows up, him. we'll fuck him up. So may- they probably know he's not a conscription officer, but they're like, wait, if we kill this guy, it'll they'll. It think. looks good for us. Yeah, and then because he's wearing white, we can just say he was. And they also know they're not killing a government official, so they if they get rid of the body. They're, Who knows? It's just a, there was it's no just consequences. A yeah, they're doing a murder and spinning it so it looks like they're holding up their end of the bargain. Fuck, but man. really, they're just murderers. It's the fucking new good. Elementary school <laughs> teacher really come good. to town and gets murked right out the gate. I love. He's like, oh, I'm, this is an outrage. <laughs> I'm an elementary <laughs> school teacher, and they're like, we're gonna. <laughs> this is a bad day for you, dude. Yeah, I tell that to the Reaper. Oh, man. Uh, let me see here. What else do we have? Oh, one of the things that I saw a lot of in this movie and in the next one, but mostly in this one that I really miss, I miss rack zooms. I miss that. Oh, we, we get it. We're cut from like super wide shots to like, and suddenly it's like a medium close up. Mm-hmm. And then there, the scene I'm thinking of in particular is when Yuki is fighting the uh, like the alcoholic washed up dude whose daughter, Kobuyu? Is, uh, is oh the the one whose daughter has to work as a prostitute because he is on medicine and drunk all the time. Yeah, he's constantly getting hammered and he's, he's really also sick. one of the four. One of the four. This is another thing that I think is kind of interesting. We actually the, the cycle of violence begins with him again because of the daughter. Uh, who kills Lady Snowblood? Spoilers. She didn't die though. I know she doesn't. Yeah, but who who she, puts a blade in her? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the daughter. But there's this interesting 
there's this interesting thing that what are they called the wicker wives or whatever yes she calls yeah them? the willow, wicker the willow wicker wives i have it written down somewhere home um, so sh- the the bamboo wives, yeah, the bamboo wives, the, and tears of death is the name of the chapter. The daughter, this guy's daughter, is like weaving like these woman bamboo shaped wives, bamboo yeah. things, and she's like, "Well, I got to go sell them, Dad." And he's like, "Are the bamboo wives really selling?" She's like, "Yeah, yeah of course." Great. And she goes and throws them all into the sea and goes to her real job as a prostitute. Yep. And so she can bring booze and medicine home to her ailing father, and he is brought so low. We, when we first meet this guy, he's a he's a rapist. He murders Yuki's whole fucking Don't you feel family. Fucking sorry for him. Question. And mark? that's more of that Japanese filmmaking thing. Because like, what what do we see? We don't see him as a like mustache twirling. I'm gonna keep talking about John Wick because that's that's our American film this month. Yeah. So like. When we meet the Russian dude and his son's life is in danger, we don't give a fuck Not about even a little. either Russian dude or his son. Nope. We're never like, oh, God, John, I know they killed your dog, but you, this is the family unit. No, we don't care about those people. You kind of don't want – you do. You want – but, like, you don't feel good about Yuki killing this guy. No, well, because not seeing him now. No, because all the – He's just sad and dying and sick and worthless and pointless and human. He's very human. He has a daughter. He loves his daughter and her. His daughter is doing everything she can to help. He begs and pleads. He says that he's forgive me. They force me. I mean, he says forgive me, spare me. I mean, she she, says I will do neither. Yeah, she's like, I'm totally not gonna do that. I'm behind you on that. Yeah, you get behind (laughs) Yuki, but like, there's this moment of like where the dude. This movie makes you feel every. Big death. Yeah, absolutely. Some yeah, some henchmen just get cut down, and you're like, "Damn, motherfucker!" But those are so few and far between, and and all of the big four are incredible. Y- none of them feel good. Well, none we only get. She only has three to kill. She kills, and she kills two of them. She kill, only gets to kill two. But think about this. Okay, she kills the first. Her mom killed the first of exactly. the four. And you feel good for about that in kind of an I spit on your grave kind of way. Absolutely. She gets Mom has earned that kill like hardcore. And because Yuki is an Asura, like she's charged with this vendetta, she by proxy also deserves these three kills. Yes. But none of them, not one of them feels good. Nope. Not. No, they don't. The first one, drunk dad, sick just recently found out his daughter's a prostitute. He's cheating at gambling games. His daughter loves him so much. He's already brought to this like state of perpetual misery. And Yuki kills him and leaves his body like bleeding in the waves. By the way, that the ocean like washing blood on come on, fuck on, dude. Like, so good. My with that whole the overhead shot on the beach yeah. when she kills him and the camera pulls up way back, way the fuck back. Dude. Yeah, Arachnum. my whole my whole body went oh. I mean, just overcome with like just the majesty of that Dude, shot. Ripping a telephoto like oh all the way back to show like, and also the entire beach. You see the curvature of the earth in that shot. Like, and once again, fucking, they shot it from the moon. It's like right after she kills him, right? Yeah, right after she kills him. So what does that? What does the camera move show us though? All the space around her. It robs us completely of, of the, the power the, of the yeah, death because the it, of it. We zoom all the way out and we see cliffs. We see a rocky ocean. See the we pointlessness see the ocean. of it. Yeah, it's just two tiny little yeah, figures. Two and specks doesn't matter. Yeah, the death is the death means nothing. It's this tiny it's thing. All that space around you. Yeah, and what the movie shows us the world instead, and it really takes away any sort of like yeah that you could possibly have had. 
Very intentionally, I think. Or rips it out from you in the middle of your, yeah. Yeah, you're oh. like, here we go. And then that rack zoom, like, whoop. And it's just two little people do on the beach. And you're like, oh. Fucking incredible, this, It feels so small all of a sudden, you know? My note about that whole thing is hard to kill what's already dead. Yeah, dude. It, you're not like, one down, bitch. You're like, nope. Yeah, you're like see him, you get, seeing him in that state. So you can't. It's hard to. You, she, they, actually, that's like pretty much all of her kills are already dead. He was the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. The, next, the woman hangs herself. No, she doesn't. She's murdered by the last guy. What? Oh, Carl, you gotta watch this movie again. Dude. I guess I do. <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought because no, she was running and then hung herself. No. Okay. So at the end, because the look on her face is like, you can't fucking kill me. At the end, they explain it. Um, so, Fuck. remember when Dad comes back? Uh, when uh, the the third guy, the glasses guy, I can't remember his name. Yeah. So the novelist's dad, the one that Dread Pirate Roberts himself. Let's call him Dread Pirate Roberts, Perfect. so that I can just say the names because Japanese is not my first language. No, fair enough. We're working on it. <laughs> yeah. So when when Dread Pirate Roberts shows back up at the end and comes and talks to his son, the son is like, "I thought I recognized you. I knew I saw you that night." Right. And he's like, you, they, he explicitly says at the end, he's like, he's like, you killed you, uh, hanging lady. He's like, so you were there the night that she died. Why, why did you kill her? We find out that the dad killed the woman so that the woman couldn't reveal the secret that the dad was still alive. Interesting. So he hung her. He was there. Oh man, I missed that and, totally. And that's where I'm really bad at watching movies. No, it's the it, uh, subtitles. If you look down to take a note, you miss a line. Well, that and that line explains plot, so that's pretty fucking important. <laughs> yeah, it's the, we might because the way I read that it was she, be, and then, like many of my notes are that she doesn't actually get to really kill anybody. Mm. Right? Well, because, she, you're not wrong. She doesn't get to kill this person. Well, she doesn't, but. But because there was a look on the hanging woman's face mm-hmm. that looked like that was like fuck you, go fuck yourself. Yeah, you can't do it. I will. Yeah, and then she pinatas her, which well, is incredible. It's, but that that reads either way. It sure does because it's rage. She's like, it's like that anger. But my, it, it reads for that dread pirate Roberts too. Because she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Why are you killing me? You know. Um. I, and again, maybe I don't know this. Uh, to be fair, sometimes this movie does get a little convoluted. Oh, it sure does. There's some convolution. Oh my god, when you have well, he is actually dead. He was uh, he died at sea, and actually I'm not. I'm back, and I'm a new person. And you're my father. I'll call it the as soon as they said he they were died like, at he sea. He was shipwrecked on a journey to America. I'm like, oh, the uh, grave's empty. He's not. He's dead. not dead. No. <laughs> Exhum- then, show me his skull. But or he's then not dead. also the novelist is his son. Like it get right. it does get a little. There's some there's some loop de doos in this but that's, flight. It's 1973. It's a fucking yeah. Who gives a shit? It's part of the it's movie. Part of that. It's part of this thing. It's, it doesn't have to be. No, I like it. I wouldn't like it if I understood it entirely. <laughs> right. You got to get a little lost, or it's not really a cool samurai flick. You know. It's not quite as lost as we get in last season's um, samurai reincarnation. That gets real cloudy. I literally understood maybe fifteen no minutes of that film. That like movie. I. <laughs> I know that I'm still not sure if it's reincarnation or resurrection. Sony Chiba. I'm not really sure of the title of that film. Anytime you're watching Samurai Reincarnation, you're like, I don't know exactly what's going on. You just say to yourself, Sonny Chiba. Sonny Chiba. That's all you That's need. That's perfect. That's all you need. Eye patch and sigils on him. Like whatever. another Quentin Tarantino Clips. connection. <sighs> so um So uh Dread Pirate Roberts kills the the woman. Yuki 
I I actually really like the way that that hanging sequence plays out. Me too. They she's chasing. Uh, Yuki, she's got her stabbed. She's she's bloodied. They you, both are getting are kind of fucking injured at this point. Yeah, Yuki's hurt too. Yep. Yuki's been. I think Yuki gets shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's got a hole and a couple cuts on her. Yeah, well, she Yuki cuts her way through all of the henchmen, which, dude, dude, Yuki in her white kimono, just so All of her kimonos blood. are incredible. We, yeah, I have a note about the costuming as well. All of the costumes in this are stunning. Um, they're really gorgeous, and they complement the scenery really well, and each costume feels faithful to... The character. One yeah. of the things I noticed pretty early on is the daughter of the guy, the uh, the drunk guy. That daughter, the the bamboo wives' daughter. Yes, she wears a, like red outfits that are very very similar to the outfits the prisoners wear at the beginning of the movie. Oh wow! So they're equating this girl kind of with Yuki's mom, an innocent person who's just kind of tangentially tied into and this, kind of stuck in this whole yeah. So it, situation. it makes it hard for you. It that's one of those. I think that costuming choice creates empathy. It makes you like her more, and that is part of what makes it you... It sits in there, doesn't it? It does, yeah. subconsciously. I love that. Archetypes, Carl. We talk about archetypes at the beginning. Dude, so if season... Snow and blood, by the way, so are both if, archetypes. If, if season so... one was liminal space, season three is going to be archetypes. Possibly. I mean... I mean, there aren't any in the next movie that I'm aware of, but who knows? Now that Fedora's I've... an archetype, baby. Yeah, I mean, it's about... Trench yeah, trench coats are about to be like a new <laughs> measuring flicks archetype. Um... But I love so Yuki. Yuki's fucking slashed her way through all of the henchmen in the Pleasure Palace. Chases. Uh, I was kind of surprised to hear gunfire. I forget that this movie takes place in like 1900 or 1901. Yep. There. Yeah. I was very surprised by that too. I'm like, what the fuck? It's, 90, it's 1893. Yep. So we got gunpowder. We have yeah. pistols. We have the whole. Yeah. Shit. The the bad the the villainous woman has a revolver. Yep. You're like, what the fuck? It the- seems so out of place and weird. It, it seems does. like anachronistic almost because it's like, all been sword play, and then you hear a bullet, and you're like, what the shit? It feels like cheating. It does feel like cheating. You're like. That's how you know she's a villain. You're like, bad form. Bad, oh, bad form? <laughs> <laughs> We're playing these games. We only just invented gunpowder. What, what? Yeah, so. <laughs> what, what? This is an outrage. This is an outrage. <laughs> but, so Yuki's chasing down, like, gun, gun-toting woman, and we find, there's this great moment where you see feet. <laughs> There's a cu- there's actually a couple. I, this is here I'll, while you're laughing it out. I'll talk about the cinematography and the callbacks and stuff. <laughs> so I was like, that was the, that was the hit pop album from 1973's "Gun Toting Woman." Gun Toting Woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's the unfinished Waylon right, Jennings exactly. album. Exactly. Gun Toting exactly. Woman. That's the song. Him. That's the title track. <laughs> Dude, we're writing yeah, soundtracks to our our uh, samurai western film. But you you see the legs and she pushes through the curtains and her first her first revenge kill felt awful. She hated it. Yep. She's robbed of her second revenge kill. This is the, she's already hanging from the rafters. Fuck, let's man. Let's think about this, dude. This is the intrinsic difference cuz this is a Japanese rape revenge movie. We've seen an American we've seen 5 American rape revenge movies. Why? Hmm. Look at the difference between the two. In an American revenge film, which John Wick is, you can argue that John Wick is sure. a revenge movie. All the kills feel good because of the bad thing that happened. You're like, mm, 
a bad injustice was done, and now the revenge feels fucking awesome. Everybody that hits the ground, you're like, there's one more in the plus exactly. column. We're yep. getting our revenge. We're excited. Every single revenge kill in this movie feels feels bad, awful. Yep, sure does. I mean, I'm like gleeful at the blood spray, but mostly the henchmen are fun. But like, yeah, the yeah, actual you're right. like Absolutely. boss kills are like kind of a no. The big downer. three are all downers. They are because okay, so I love this. Y- Yuki comes in and sees the hanging woman and realizes like, shit, I'm o for two now. And th- there's this thing that she does. She pull. She's got her sword out and she just like really casually cuts the woman in half at the waist. And the the dude, it's an awesome it's effect. Great, the man. fucking legs hit the deck, and then blood just like starts dripping out of the uh, raining out of the top half of her. Man, it's incredible. It is so amazing. It's it's a beautiful the shot. The foley is literally just water pouring into a tub. Yeah, it's like <laughs> just pouring down, and you can see the novelist guys like. I don't remember every detail of this because I'm writing book number two is going to be. I'm writing banging. the shit out of this. Okay, dude. <laughs> I'm going to be banned in fifty countries. Yeah. The 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 plitter the plitter of blood from the torso of a woman dripping on the stained tatami human, mats. Human pinata seems to on the nose. I'm going to scratch that. Yeah, human. Well, okay, we're going to leave it in, but I'm going to put it in brackets. All right. <laughs> I'm going to use a different colored ink. I'm going to highlight this. We're going to come back. We're going to give that a second pass just to... I don't want to lose momentum. Asterisk you know? gonna, C, page three. Yeah. So <laughs> it's draft one. You can't get hung up on little shit like this. You got to just get it under the page, you know? Yuki, where are you going? <laughs> You don't want to talk craft? Okay. 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 Right, fine. Uh, chap- Writer's meeting next month. Chapter two, sentence one. Yuki can be kind of Yuki a bitch. Kind of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, but dude, it's it's so morose. It's like it this is. sad moment of like the, she's trying to. Well, her do whole her life duty. since she was a baby, trained for these moments, and she doesn't get the satisfaction of any of she them. She gets none of them. Like this is like that. I have to do something yeah. because I can't just let, so I'm going to defile her body. Yep. But it's that's all you get, but it feels dirty so and just weak. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, like, that's the best she can do is I can cut her in half and kind of, and even she knows it. You see her face. There's like no satisfaction at all. She's like, fuck kill number. The, the big boss, the big boss fight with dread pirate Roberts. Well, she loses something more than she gains in that fight. Totally. Her well, we we her see her only friend. Her own yeah, her only friend gets shot seven times by his own dad and uses his body weight to pin dad to the wall. Yeah, it's f- and she to like at, at the cost of his own life, he's helping her finish her like revenge pact thing, and he's like dying, holding his dad against the wall, and he's like Yuki, hurry, hurry, Yuki, and I, at first when I first was watched the scene, I was like, what is she waiting for? Right, she because she does. She stands. She stands there for a good long time. Like, why are you not just his face? His head is totally exposed. We've already seen how how accurate and how skillful you are. Yeah, you're this a is master. Not a, this is not a difficult kill for you. She, what is the problem? She's standing there. He's pinned down. Do you think that she's realizing that this is the last of the four? I think. I think that she's kind of realized. I think she's struck by the horror. And the futility of what her whole life... She's 20 sure. years old. Her whole life is... Well, that's what it's sort of what I'm saying. is like, well, this is the last of the f- these four people. Yeah. I'm about to murder him. What is what is this entire fucking thing all about? This is I so think it's pointless and... Partly that, but I think the, the other part of what's running through her head is like the, co- the high cost of all this. 
She dis- her, her only friend is dead, pinning his father to the wall. Yeah. 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 She's like, she's like, I could have just let all this go and lived my life. This is horrible. But there's that thing of like, this is my function. This yep. is why I exist. So she takes her sword and she runs forward and skewers the through. dad through the sun, through his back into the wall. And that's how she kills Dread Pirate Roberts. She kills her friend and the dad all in one fell swoop, pulls the sword out. And it's the move like right after that death. It's, you know, what, what you got? Oh, I was just going to. So we get her eyes several times in this flick. Yes. And this is one particular moment where her eyes are doing. So I have my notice her eyes. Best fucking eye acting flick one of season three. I have my first nomination. Mm. This. Yeah. Yeah. Like consistently throughout the film. Her eyes are. It's not just the like weird samurai eyes. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Too bad no one can see that. Weird samurai eyes. But she has this haunted nature to to mm-hmm. the way that she gazes. Yeah, they go blank. Mm-hmm. You can see this anytime you She's see. She's trying sor- to figure out what these emotions are. Yeah, and, sh- and they're they're. It's like like multifarious emotion all mm-hmm. in one look it's really yeah. it's cool it's, it's really impressive and a lot of the time her face is doing nothing so most of the emotion is it's there through the eyes Let, uh really quick when uh dread pirate roberts gets stabbed this next the next thing that happens is one of the most insane stunts i've ever seen the dude staggers oh, over to the railing straight up falls off he falls like 20 feet onto a hardwood floor in a one take shot from overhead it's not it's not faked. And he you, hits hard as shit. You see him hit the ground. There's no pads. There's no spliced shot. There's yeah. no cut. It's a one shot straight down. And the dude falls from the second floor onto the first floor and lands on a hardwood floor with no give to it. That's an amazing stunt. Yep. That dude might have died. Because we get it from what yeah, the camera is locked. Yeah, the camera's locked overhead looking straight down. And the, we see the dude like wander into frame on floor number two. And I'm like, don't do it, man. Trip, stumble, Whatever fall. Whatever they're paying you, it's not enough. No, he falls a long fucking way. You're like, because uh, there's there's actually a very similar moment in John Wick, which is which is an edit point. They, it's a trick shot. There's this is not, not here. This is just like OG Jackie Chan. The only thing that they might be doing is a little bit of forced perspective, so it looks like he's falling farther than he is. But, but he, I don't. But the think amount of so. time, the time his body's is, in the yeah. air. What I was thinking is the only way you could fake it would be with a wire. But he but doesn't. Not, he doesn't fall like he's on a wire. He falls like they just dropped a dude twenty feet onto the ground, and yeah. that's how they did it. He was just the one guy that was really good at falling twenty feet onto hardwood. Well, actually, one of the things you learn in in martial arts, particularly judo, first is well, how it's to taking fall. the fall. Yeah, and there's this thing you can do. You see it a lot, it's in, like the slapping the mat. Yep, in John Wick three, you can see a lot of stunt people who are like falling through shit. They'll land and their arms are out. As you transfer, it's wrestling that too. Yeah, the you, professional wrestling that teaches slap the mat. You first. slap the mat because you, you're, what you're doing is transferring momentum through your extremities, so you don't take the full brunt of it in your guts yeah. and stuff. But still, that's a long it's ass fucking fall. Phys- it's physics, Max. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, what happens is you have all this potential and kinetic energy that uh, occurs when the uh, full body weight uh, hits a hard surface. So what you can do is, is you can uh, transfer that momentum and kinetic energy through your appendages Oscar into music. a. Ah, well, thank you so much. I'd like to thank God. I am Roger Deakins. I'm gonna explain. So there's a thing you do, which you you create. I've only been up here for five seconds. 
No one cares about cinematography. CBS is already running the credits and shit. Or whatever. <laughs> Fucking station shows the goddamn Academy Award. Uh, I think it's, uh, is it is it Cartoon Network? It's Cartoon Network, yeah. It's the a sci-fi channel. Sci-fi channel. I fucking wish it was the sci-fi channel. That would be amazing. All right, there's we can't we can't not talk about peeling off the fake face. Fake dad. Fake dad is that's fucking incredible. That's a Mission Impossible two shit. <laughs> that man. is like, what the high fuck? level because it's not a mask. It's like it's he's it's, got a fake beard that they peel off. A but f- then that's not it. They've got a whole what's this little bit of fucking? His neck has a little, and they peel off a. It's not even a full mask. It's it glued stops to his, at his brow line. Yeah, the mask is like glued to his forehead, and you can see that they did makeup on his upper forehead to match the mask it's because incredible. the guy underneath skin is actually lighter. It's and when you're you're super not expecting it, so when they start peeling his like, face why are they off, you're his like, skin off? Oh, oh, oh my god! I was not <laughs> expecting this. I was not expecting this. Well, my first thought was that she was like scalping his face. That's, I, was I, like, th- I thought is she leather facing him. What's I was going like, this on? movie is raucous. Um, did Toby Hooper step in for a day to direct? Yeah, I was like, gee. Oh wait, it's a mask. <laughs> I was like, I can't watch this. I can't watch a face flaying. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm gonna watch this again as soon right, as, as done. soon as possible. <laughs> Dude, that but like, what a great mask! It looks so good. And here's how I think they did it. They made a mask. I think that they did a chin mask. Because when she's so first the- when she's first peeling the neck up, you can kind of see a seam like right under his lip. So I think what they did was put just a pro of because the when you get to the full face, the mask looks a little less convincing. So I think when she starts peeling just the neck up, the- it's the real face with like a like a chin portion, and then they cut to a different angle. That makes sense. And the mask is already because that up. chin piece will sell the rest of it. Yeah, if that looks good. You'll yeah. buy the rest of it. Right. You, your brain fills it, yep. smooths out the edges. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great moment, man. And then we get to the end, where we get um. Yeah, the fuck is she waiting for? I did have that note. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Yeah. The moment you're watching it, you're like, kill him, kill him, what the fuck, what the fuck? And then in the aftermath, you're like, oh shit. She just had a moment where she was like, she's watching her friend do it, do it. And she's looking around and there's bodies everywhere and she's soaked in blood and she's like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. But then she reverts to. Just watch the goddamn movie. It'll explain it to you. Yeah, man. Yeah. And then in the end, I think this is probably my favorite shot in. At m- screaming in the snow? Minimum two seat. No, not the screaming in the snow. Fuck, that got me hardcore, man. When she grips the snow and s- she just, just. Well, the. Oh my yeah, God. it's so raw. It's such a. It's not a. Everything is coming out. It's not All a of scream it. queen scream. No, it isn't. This no. is a visceral. This is her soul mm-hmm. screaming, man. It's, ama- it's, it's fucking amazing. fucking incredible. But the. What got me, and this is the daughter, uh, the bamboo wife daughter yeah. of the first guy, runs out with a, sh- a little short ceremonial blade and pops her. Yeah, stabs. Gut. Lady Snowblood's already dying. She's yeah, like, she's she's cut several times. She's taken a bullet. She's staggering around. Yeah, she's been shot. She's been cut really badly. She's staggering around. She's not doing what. She's gonna die. You can see her like barely on her feet. And then this this girl in red runs out and. And I love the exchange between the two of them because she stabs her and she's like, ah, this is for killing her dad. Yep. And then we cut to Lady Snowblood's face and she just kind of looks at the other girl like. Okay. And what I love about that moment is she's like, I have I have been my entire life. 
precisely what you are right now. Yep, exactly. And there's this great bit because she's she looks at her with no malice, no, no contempt. She's not just even like a little bit. she's like, I un- fully understand why you did this. Yeah, there's an understanding there. And it's when incredible. you cut back to bamboo wife daughter, just horrified. She, you can see her face start to go like, oh shit, I sh- really shouldn't have done this. Yep. You can see that it it's already starting to cost her. Yep. And she just runs away. The shot that I want to the shot that I love most is it's kind of a wide shot and Yuki's laying in the snow curled up and something about seeing her curled in this fetal position in this beautiful white snow with this red blood like around her soaking the snow and the sunrise is coming through so you get these shafts of light there's oranges and blues and the white of the snow and the red of the blood and the white and red of her outfit and there's there's something so profoundly dead about her she's she's crumpled in the snow the shot is perfectly framed it is legitimately one of the, if i could get a print of that on my wall it's i one have of, several notes of shots that i would love printed framed it's one of the most beautiful yeah, things beautiful one. things i've ever seen it's amazing and then we see her arm slip down and we're like and that's game over but i think they knew that they were going to make another one because the very last shot is her head coming up out of the snow a little and you're like oh yuki ain't dead shit. and then it's like albert r broccoli <laughs> lady <laughs> snowblood will return and <laughs> dr no <laughs> lady snowblood love song of revengeance the revengeancing exactly holy <laughs> shit man um yeah, man. Cinematography, score, the blood, the action sequences, the gravitas. All of it, dude. This movie, god damn it, man. Top to bottom, right? This is everything. This is everything that I love about Asian <laughs> cinema, dude. This is this is why I just fuck. Dude, it's it was such a great flick. I s- What a way to start season 3 off, man. Yes, no kidding. No kidding. We couldn't have done better. Lady <sighs> Snowblood was like the way to get into this. Granted, I watched the second movie first, but I double featured them, so I saw them both together. Yeah, I, I can't wait to talk about the next one. I watched it this morning. Yeah, I'm actually really Lady Snowblood was about a week ago. For you, for yeah. the watch. I honestly, listeners, we say all the time, like, you know, like, oh, you should go watch this movie. You should go watch this movie. And like Casey, for example, one of our patrons, Casey, texts me all the time and she's like, so you told the listeners that we should like, go watch <laughs> the movie. I just want you to know, I've never seen it. Pretty much any movie that you guys have ever talked. She loves the show, but she's like, I, I just don't watch don't, any of them. <laughs> I just don't watch them. That's fine. If you like listening to us talk about them, that's cool. But man, if you like samurai films or revenge films or just any if you like movies, yes, this is a really cool movie, man. If Lady, you like Tarantino, I think that's a that's, that's good sort of like definitely. That's a window in. Yeah, here. If, if, if you, you like Tarantino, especially the Kill, Kill Bill. Bill. If you liked the two Kill Bill movies, Lady Snowblood is like precisely your cup of tea. You will be going, "Holy shit, this is where. This is why. This yeah. is sh- Yeah. Just mind blown the whole thing. Go watch time. Lady Snowblood and when you see us, give us a high five. Yeah, seriously, right? <laughs> be like, "It was as good as you said it was." I got nothing else on no, it. No, man, that's me on Lady Snowblood. I fucking dug it. It was so good. All right, that first episode that's of season it. three, baby. And we do patrons up front so we can just get the fuck out of here. Heck yeah. MeasuringFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Watch it. Let us know what you thought. And, dude, stay tuned. Next week, we're doing more assassins, but this time we're doing them in... They are a little more French uh, next time. I am so they sad. I'm going to uh, brood in this corner. I will drive a cow. I kill you and then I have a croissant. I have a biscuit. Uh, biscuit. Crepes and killers. Crepes. <laughs> Join us next week for Crepes and Killers. Crepes and Killers. <laughs>